Columbus Blue Jackets are proud to select Jack Wierenski, Kent Johnson, Cole Sillinger, David Yurichek. What's going on, Blue Jackets fans? I'm Dylan Tire back with you for yet another edition of the Pipeline Podcast presented by Ruoff Mortgage. We're going to continue our pre-draft coverage with another special guest this week. That is Adam Kimmelman. He's the Deputy Managing Editor of NHL.com and also hosts the NHL Draft Class Podcast. So another guy who knows a lot about the players the Blue Jackets could potentially select at number three overall and now number 22 overall that the Seattle Kraken have been eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs. So let's not waste any more time and get right to the interview with Adam. I think a a very interesting thing about this year's draft is last year you didn't really have an idea of where anybody was going to go. In fact, as we got to the final moments leading up to Montreal's pick at number one overall, people were still wondering whether it was going to be Shane Wright at one or Uri Slavkovsky. Of course, ended up being Slavkovsky and Wright fell after that. We saw... Uh, people not sure where Simon Nemich and David Juracek were going to go. It ends up that Nemich goes before Juracek and Juracek becomes a Columbus Blue Jacket. But this year, there's kind of that set order. You know, the general consensus is that Connor Bedard will, of course, go number one overall. It's Adam Fantilli after that. Then you have some combination of Leo Carlson, Will Smith and Matt Vemichkov. Obviously, there's the possibility that Michkov could fall because people are maybe scared of his contract situation right now in Russia. But I just find it so interesting that there has been this consensus for a really long time, it feels like. And maybe Will Smith has entered that conversation uh, a little bit later than some of those other guys. But I just want to get into the nitty gritty right away and ask you, do you think there's any chance that Adam Fantilli does not go number two overall to Anaheim? I would be surprised. I mean, look, you know, the other options there, if you're Anaheim, Leo Carlson, you know, might be, you know, the he's not going to do anything that blows you away. There's nothing about his skill set that's going to drag you out of your chair. But there's everything he does is so precise and so skilled, and he's already doing it against men in the Swedish Hockey League. He's got the NHL-ready size at 6'3 and 198 pounds. You know, if, if you want a guy who maybe could plug right into your NHL lineup, maybe you could say Leo Carlson is a little bit more NHL-ready. I'm not sure. I, that's you know sort of in the eyes of the scouts, but to me, Adam Fantilli is the second best player in this draft, and I don't know, I don't know how close it is. I, I mean, I think Leo Carlson's going to be a really nice player, but if I'm sitting there at two, th- it'd be really hard for me to pass on Adam Fantilli. The skill set that he brings, the way he dominated NCAA hockey as an 18 year old, he's playing in the World Championships for Canada right now. That tells you what you need to know about his talent level. All right, let's get into Leo Carlson a little bit more then. You you mentioned some things about Leo Carlson, and they're the same things that I've heard about Leo Carlson. You know, he's a well-rounded player. He can do a little bit of everything. But is there one part of Leo Carlson's game that stands out to you as maybe better than some of these other top prospects? I, I think it's just the head for the game, the hockey IQ, the hockey sense, whatever you want to call it. You know, when you're not, a, a, you know, a Connor McDavid-like skater, and you can get everywhere you need to get to with the blink of an eye. You need to have a head for the game. When you're that smart, it makes you look even faster. So I really like the hockey sense Carlson has shown. And, you know, again, he's another one playing in the World Championships for Sweden. It shows you, you know, when you're 18 years old to be able to play at that level with and against NHL guys, NHL stars. And to produce, it says something about your talent level, about your head for the game. So to me, that that's what really stands out. And then you add in, 
the size and the strength and, and all the other little things he does so well. Yeah, I, I think Carlson has a chance to be a very special player. And on the Blue Jackets sitting there at number three, that's a pretty solid option if I want a guy who can maybe come into my lineup as soon as this coming season and be a real contributor. I mean, you put him on a line with, you know, say Johnny Gaudreau. I mean, is it going to be as explosive as it could have been if it was Connor Bedard there? No, probably not. But, you know, the way Gaudreau – Carlson will adapt his game to the way Gaudreau would want to play and just help him maximize every little bit of, of his skill set. Let me ask you, is that at the center ice position then? Because you talk about Leo Carlson potentially jumping into the National Hockey League right away, and it's uh, it's something that I'm sure excites Blue Jackets fans because everybody wants immediate help rather than to have to wait a little bit. But you look at what Leo Carlson did this this past season in Sweden, and you look at the numbers if you're the average fan, you say, okay, those are fine, not great. But what he did as a U18 player in that league is very, very special. But he did it also playing on the wing. So do you imagine that he comes over to the NHL and it would be at that center ice position? I think he does project to be a full-time center in the NHL. If it's not that first season, then I think for sure at at certain point down the road, you know, once he fully gets used to the NHL game. I mean, look, he played on the wing at World Juniors and had an outstanding run at World Juniors. Not sure if he's playing center of the wing at at the World Championships, but I think he projects to be a really strong center ice player because of the head for the game, because of how smart he is and how skilled he is in every little aspect of the game. I think he can be a center and and not just a, a you know a middle of the lineup center. I think he can be a number one center who can really lead your team. Uh, to me, you know, and that is a whole. I think the Blue Jackets would admit that they have. They need somebody who can be a guy you can build around in the middle. Leo Carlson, to me, projects as a guy you can build around down the middle. Does his game remind you of anybody past or present in the National Hockey League? Uh, it's hard to say. You know, it's. I, I kind of find it, and I, I and I'm guilty of asking scouts this too. You know, it's hard to take an 18 year old kid and say, "Hey, who does he look like in the NHL?" You know, it's just it's not fair on either end. So I don't really like to to make those comparisons if I can avoid it. But to me, it's just you know everything he does has the look of a guy who really just understands the game, where he needs to be, and how he has to get there, and where he should be. In all three, in all in all three zones, he just projects to me again. I feel like I've said it a couple of times though. He projects to be a foundational center you can build around. Well, that's certainly exciting to hear. And let's talk about the other guy that's kind of in that conversation right now, Will Smith. It's a different path for him. He played junior hockey last season with the U.S. US National Development Team program. He's going to be playing college hockey next year at Boston College. Do you like this player when compared to Leo Carlson, or are you a, a Leo Carlson guy through and through? Well, I, I think they're very different players. Mm-hmm. I think that's the first thing you know. Will Smith has that get you out of your seat skill set, that explosive offensive ability with the skating and the ability to just create something out of nothing just with the hands and the skating. And he, he projects to be a really top-end offensive player, Whenever he's you know ready to move to the next level, just watch him at the at the World Under 18s. He 20 points in seven games, tied Jack Hughes' U.S. record. You know he is he is a special player who's just gotten better as the season's gone on. And that line at the U.S. National Team with Smith and Ryan Leonard and Gabe Perot probably was the best line in anywhere in junior hockey. 
or in that developmental outside the NHL level. They were that good. Two of the guys had over 120 points. So, and Smith was one of them. But, uh, you know, he he projects to be a special player. He's probably going to need a little bit more time. He's going to have at least one year of college under his belt. At, uh, I believe he's going to Boston College. So he, you're going to have to have a, a little bit more patience with him just because he's got to get a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, further round out his game where Carlson, you know, again, is 6'3 and almost 200 pounds, a little bit more of that NHL size that you like to see. So I, I think they're very different players. I think they're both projected to be very good players. And if you look at my mock draft on NHL.com, I have them going number three and number four. So there's not a lot to – they're very different players, but they're very, very good players. At least that's the projection. All right, let's talk about upside a little bit because Yarmo Kekalainen has made it very clear that he wants to select the player that's going to be the best in the long run, a guy that's going to have a long, successful career in the National Hockey League and be the best player that he could possibly be. You're forecasting that for both of these guys, essentially. Leo Carlson maybe a little bit more immediate you're suggesting than Will Smith, but when it comes to upside in a player, do you see one guy with the upper hand here? I mean, you talk about the offensive explosiveness from a player like Will Smith, but the well-rounded game of a player like Leo Carlson. Right. I, I don't think if you're deciding between those two players, I don't know if there's a wrong selection, which is a pretty nice feeling because both of these guys project to have very high upsides. And, you know, it's just a matter of, do you want maybe a little bit more immediate and a little more dependable in the long run versus a guy who you a little more patience and a little more explosiveness? I, I don't know if there's a wrong answer there. All right. What about Matt Vemichkov? You know, there's obviously the situation with him in Russia right now, the contract situation with him in Russia, but for the longest time, it was he and Connor Bedard at the top of the draft, right? And then he's kind of fallen off because we haven't been able to see him on that international stage playing against his peers. Does he have a shot to go number three, do you think? Absolutely. If you're just judging on the raw skill, Mitchkov and Bedard are one-two in this draft just from a skill standpoint. But unfortunately, there's a little bit more that goes into it, and and, and a lot of it is out of his control he is signed in Russia through the 25-26 season, so you're definitely going to have to have some patience there. And that's assuming he wants to come over at that point. So, you know, there, there's there's a lot that goes into it. And I think, and, and this is what I sort of talked about in my mock, wrote about in my mock draft, that if I'm the Columbus Blue Jackets, I don't know if I have the patience to wait three more years to bring over an elite talent when Patrick Line will be out of contract by then. I believe Johnny Gaudreau will have four years down of, of that seven-year contract that he signed. So if you want to maximize those assets, I think you need a little bit more immediacy. And I don't envision them as a team that, you know, uh, in the long run, could Mitchkov be the better player? Possibly. I don't know, but it's possible. But if you're talking about the whole team aspect of it, that's why I had Mitchkov slipping the five because I think, you know, the Montreal Canadiens maybe have a little bit more wiggle room as far as where they're, where they are in their development to be, you know, playoff contenders, where I think the Blue Jacks need a little bit more immediacy. So Mitchkoff projects to be an outstanding player with the skill set and the speed, and the skating and, and the offensive upside that you love. I, I just think there's too many things there to, to make, give teams pause. So I think he's, for sure a top five talent, but it's going to be, he is the most interesting player coming in out of this draft because as you said, 
Haven't seen him at World Juniors. Haven't seen him at World Championships. Again, through forces out of his control. So you don't have that comparison. You haven't seen him play against Connor Bedard since the 2021 World Under 18s. Mm-hmm. So there's not a lot of body of knowledge there as far as what he can do against guys in his age group. Now he's also playing in the KHL, uh, you know, with and against guys who were fully developed men, guys who have played in the NHL. So, you you know, it's a little bit apples and oranges, but, you know, that's sort of what scouting is, unfortunately. You have to sort of project where they are and who they're playing against and see how that compares to what they could be in the NHL. All right, Adam, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of an NHL general manager right now. Obviously, everybody wanted the number one overall pick to secure Connor Bedard, but you're drafting in the top five right now. How pleased are you with the options available? I'm ecstatic. Any of those guys that we that we talked about, you know, Fantilli, Carlson, Smith, Mitchkov, you can even go down to guys like Ryan Leonard, Zach Benson, you know, David Reinbacher, the the defenseman, uh, the Austria-born defenseman playing, also playing in the World Championships. He plays for Cloten in Switzerland's top league, Ryan Leonard. You know, there is some outstanding talent, guys who project to be really top-end NHL players. So if I'm in the top 10, I'm really, really happy. So, you know, I, I think this is a very strong draft class. And as I said earlier, Five years from now, I think we're going to be talking about guys playing in the All-Star game, up for major individual awards, helping their team reach a Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, there, there's some pretty high-end talent here. All right, well, that sounds not half bad. Uh, the Blue Jackets <laughs> also have another first-round pick, and after Seattle lost on Monday night, that secures the Blue Jackets the 22nd overall pick in the 2023 NHL entry draft. I think Yarmo Kekalainen made it abundantly clear when he acquired that pick from the Los Angeles Kings that he wants to be aggressive with it. He's not afraid to use it in a trade if it means acquiring an NHL-ready player and a guy that has some term and experience in the league as well. But say the Blue Jackets hold on to that 22nd overall pick, there's some talent that could be available there. Like you said, this is a deep first round. You get into the you know, the the 10, the 15 range, there's still a lot of talent right there. So are there some options that you like for the Blue Jackets potentially at number 22 overall? Like who are some names that could be available there? Well, a guy I have heard a lot about, the scouts I've spoken to, is Adam Fantilli's teammate at the University of Michigan, Gavin Brindley. He's a forward, um, played for the U.S. the World Juniors in a, a lower line role. But when he came back from the World Juniors, he was among the best players in NCAA hockey, average close to a point a game. You know, he's going to need some time to get a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, but he has really impressed teams with the way he played the second half of the season. You know, there are going to be some really good defensemen available probably in that spot if you if you want to look that way. A guy like Lucas Dragasevic from Tri-City in the Western League, maybe the best pure offensive defenseman available in this year's draft. You know, 6'1", 190-pound right shot. You know, there are some holes in his game on the defensive side that will need to be patched. But as far as guys who can move the puck, skate with the puck, he is projecting to be elite. Etienne Moran from Moncton, another defenseman, scored 21 goals this season. Uh, You know, also projects high on the offensive ability for defensemen. So there's going to be some pretty, pretty good talent available there for them for defense. You know, again, you cannot go wrong, I think, being in the first round of this year's draft. There's a lot of talent available. All right, I want to ask you about one more player, and 
I want to ask you about him because he's quickly becoming, I think, one of the more polarizing players in this draft, and that's Andrew Corstall. You know, I think some people have him rated pretty high. Some people have him going high. Other people have him falling maybe potentially towards the second round. Can you tell me a little bit about Andrew Corstall? He's a guy that, um, you know, I have a very, I have a 13-pound Bichon Frise who thinks she's the biggest dog in the woods. That is Andrew Crystal. He is, he is, no one has told him he's five foot nine or, you know, whatever he measured in at. He is feisty, willing to go to all the hard areas of the ice. No problem getting physical, mucking it up with, with bigger, stronger guys, you know, but, and he is a top end offensive talent with attitude to match. There's, you know, nothing fancy about his game. He will go to the net and he will produce Real good skater, real good speed. I've liked him when I've seen him. I know he maybe kind of tailed off a little bit late in the season. Kelowna, not the strongest of seasons in the Western League this year. That might have had something to do with it. But he was a pretty solid guy through the first half of the season. Maybe he's got to work on his stamina a little bit. But again, these guys are 17, 18 years old. They'll figure it out. If I'm sitting there in that, you know, 15 to 25 range, Andrew Crystal's a name that I'm going to have a hard time passing on because he's the kind of guy like you saw it with Brad Marchand. You saw it with Matthew Kachuk. You see it with Brendan Gallagher, maybe a a little bit undersized, maybe not in Kachuk's case, but a little bit undersized, but a lot of attitude, a lot of skill. Those are the guys that play in the playoffs, and that's when you really need them to, to produce. Crystal sort of is cut from that same mold. All right. I only wanted to ask you about him because, like I said, I think he's becoming a little bit polarizing in this draft. And he's also a good friend of Blue Jackets forward and excellent rookie this past year, Kent Johnson. So you never know with a player like that. The last thing I got for you here, Adam, and I appreciate the time. If you're Yarmo Kekalainen on June 28th in Nashville, who are you taking at number three overall and why? Well, it's Leo Carlson because he projects to be a guy you can add into your lineup right away. He fills a need as a foundational number one center to build around. And I also believe he's the best player available at that spot. I think his skill set projects to be, you know, again, he's not going to rip you out of your seat. He's not going to, you know, do anything super special, but he will do everything right in every phase of the game. So if it's me and I'm Yarmo sitting there at number three, Leo Carlson is my guy. All right, Adam Kimmelman of NHL.com, thank you very, very much. If our listeners are interested in learning a little bit more about you or the work that you do, where they where can they go to find it and where can they follow you on socials? Well, I'm on Twitter at NHL Adam K. You can follow our podcast, the NHL Draft Class Podcast, anywhere you get your podcast, Apple, I, you know, iTunes, Stitcher, any place you enjoy, Spotify, any place you enjoy your podcasts. Um, you can also see all my work on NHL.com. We have the NHL.com draft page up. You can find that. So there is no shortage of, of ways to find out how you want it, what your team could do June 28th and 29th when we get down to Nashville. All right, Adam. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Dylan.